Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the Heavy Branches Podcast. I'm Jacob. And I'm Tanner. And we're super excited to jump into our very very first Q&A episode. So as you noticed from this episode's title, we're not going to be diving into the next chapter of Luke. We're actually going to be doing our very first Q&A episode. There's been a handful of questions come in in the couple months that we've been doing this, and Tanner and I talked, and we wanted to take just like a, a one-week break from going through the chapters of Luke and just dedicate a whole episode to answering some of the questions you guys had for us. So uh, thank you for sending those in, and we, we're always uh, excited and willing to answer those. And so before we get into doing that today, Tanner, how was your week? My week's been pretty good. Um, we've got an exciting event coming up at church with the fall with a fall festival so i've been doing some work for that that'll be a good uh event and then i also realized that i preached the last sunday of october which is good uh i didn't re- i didn't think i preached till november but uh i get the opportunity to preach uh not this sunday but next sunday so that's going to be really exciting how was your week uh, it was good. Uh, preaching opportunities coming up is always exciting. I, I'm also preaching that last Sunday in October, as well as I think the first Sunday in November. I'll need to double check my calendar, but um, just getting ready for those coming up, uh, trying to get sermons ready and uh, practiced and confident and everything for it. I'm actually up at LBC right now, which is why you guys are having no video for this episode, so apologies for that, but I had a weekend class, so I was up here uh, we're recording this Friday night. I had class today today for me, which is Friday, from 1 in the afternoon until 9 tonight. And then I've got class again tomorrow morning, Saturday morning from, let's see, I think it's 8.15 to 4.30 or something. So it's it's kind of a grueling weekend class, but um, it, it's the only time we have to meet all semester. So it's it's nice for people that are have busy schedules and are busy with their full-time ministries that they can just block out one weekend and knock out a class instead of having to keep every Thursday from three to five free for the whole semester, you know. So it's, it's been a good week. The class has been long and tiring, but uh, it's it's been good. So yeah, we and- want to remind you guys about our uh, Mark Your Calendar section. So we've got the uh, refuel event coming up at the Grissom Church of Christ in Peru, Indiana. That's going to be October 27th through 30th, I believe. Is that Does that sound right, Tanner, the 27th through 30th? 27th through the 29th. Through the 29th. I thought that maybe sounded a little off. October 27th through 29th, and that's going to be a time where we can gather together with fellowship, uh, hear some great preaching, and I, I believe there will be some uh, worshiping through singing as well. So we want to remind you about that, and then we also want to remind you about the LBC semester. Uh, coming up in January, and anyone who wants to take classes to learn more about the Bible or um, just to maybe get better and improve in your teaching or, or anything that you're doing as a kingdom work, LBC is there to, to help you with that. Uh, was there anything else that we wanted to add to the Mark Your Calendar section for this week, Tanner? Uh, I just wanted to add that there's also a another module Jacob kind of mentioned he's at one right now but there's another one coming up on December 1st and 2nd and it is an origins module we kind of mentioned it last week I believe 
but Brian Schultz will be teaching it. It'll be a great class on the the creation of the earth and of mankind and if that was something that would interest you, it's another, you know, two-day intensive kind of like what Jacob is doing this weekend and uh it'll be a, uh, a great great class. So that's another one and that's December 1st and 2nd. And you can do that online on Zoom if you're not able to make it up to Louisville or maybe you don't live anywhere near Louisville. Um, but you can do that in person if you'd like or you can do it online over Zoom, uh, whichever way works best for you. So I guess that'll wrap up our Mark Your Calendar section. And normally at this point we dive into Luke, but uh, we're just going to get right into our, our first question for, for the episode today. So, so let me read it for you guys if I can get it here on my phone. Here we go. Okay, one question, or maybe comment, I'm not sure. Why do you think miracles don't happen these days? I do. I've been healed of much. Tanner, what do you think? Start us off with that. So, uh, I want to hop into the question, but just so that everybody, you know, our listeners and me and you are on the same page, you know, we want to, just because we're not in a chapter this week, um, you know, we all need to be sure that we're being diligent and still reading the scriptures. So we want to encourage uh, the listeners to, you know, be in the ch- in the in the passages that we draw out as we answer these questions. Still read and follow along because um, that's going to be to your benefit. And it's also important that you know we're answering questions, but it's important that you check us uh, just as much as it is important for us to make sure we're being diligent and studying and speaking the truth. Um, so we just want to encourage you to do that. But as we dive into answering this question, it's a great question. Really, they all are, and we're thankful that uh, we've had people asking. Um, I believe that I believe we would both like to fix something that we may have misspoke, misspoken before in a previous episode and I'm, I'm, I'm not I, I think you told me earlier it was episode 8 uh, talking about Luke 7 is that correct? I believe so okay so that was kind of the episode this question spawned from but we were discussing miracles and we'd like to make sure or make clear that we do believe God can and does do miracles today Uh, God is powerful, mighty, gracious, and merciful. In all ways, He is holy and beyond us. And we absolutely believe God can do what we as humans think impossible. That is is something that we believe uh, wholly and and completely. And in our previous episode, which we, when we were speaking on this matter of miracles, our purpose was to say that we, not that we don't believe in miracles, period, but that we do not believe the peop, that people can still perform miracles through the special indwelling of, of the Spirit that was given to the apostles. And the purpose of those miracles were to prove Jesus was the Christ and to affirm the gospel as a message from God. 
those are the two key things of, of, of miracles. To prove that Jesus was the Christ and to affirm the gospel message was from God. So why do we believe that these miracles that the apostles were doing by the special uh, gifts of the Spirit that they were granted by Jesus Christ, why do we believe that those do not exist today? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we read from Paul's writings, and in verses 8 through 13, if you'll follow along with me or uh, listen intently so that you're, you're hearing the words of God uh, that, is, that are given to us through Paul, it says, Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now, but now, faith, hope, love, abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, this passage teaches us that faith hope and love will replace the need for miracles like the apostles had when the perfect comes so what is what is the perfect well that is the whole new testament the new testament gives us as christians today us as people today everything that we need for faith hope and love the new testament along with faith hope and love are the only necessary only necessary tools that we need now to prove that Jesus is the Christ and to affirm the gospel is from God so you remember what miracles were for for they were for the purpose to prove Jesus was the Christ and to affirm the gospel was a message from God well now we don't need miracles to do that because we have the complete New Testament scriptures given to us through the inspired apostles and other inspired writers. And we, through the New Testament, were able to, to prove that Jesus was the Christ and to affirm the gospel messages from God. Yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying there, Tanner. Let me add one other one other part to this too so when you read and study through the new testament we see that there is a difference in not that it's not that the apostles have a different holy spirit than christians are indwelt with today it's the same spirit we're, we're just given different gifts from that from that same spirit so the apostles they had that gift to perform miracles and and one of those being healing and so like for example when you study through the New Testament, how did how did someone receive that? Well, the apostles received it, 
And they could actually pass that gift on to other people by laying their hands on them. And we see multiple occasions of this throughout the New Testament. However, if the apostles laid their hands on someone to give them that gift, they could not go lay their hands on someone else and also give that gift. Only the apostles could give that gift. Therefore, if you think about this logically and rationally, after the last apostle died, that gift could not be given anymore. The, the, the gift of, of physical healing and, and Christians being able to perform miracles through the power of God. So once, once the apostles died out, and then the generation of people that lived with the apostles died out, that, that gift died along with it. Not that God isn't powerful enough to do it anymore. God just doesn't allow people to perform miracles through him. But, God's, but God still does perform miracles and heal people as, today as a response to our prayers, I, I would say. Yeah, so that's kind of a, a long explanation of the fact that we believe God can and does miracles. But people, like the apostles, uh, as the apostles did, we people no longer have that special gift because it is no longer needed, and we have something far better than those miracles. In fact, the scriptures call it perfect. Now, absolutely. With that said, I I feel I have to need to share another scripture. That is just a page or two over in your Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is often known as the resurrection chapter. But what we find in verses 13 through 15, the Bible says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. So, regarding this passage, there is this question about whether it is possible for God to raise the dead. And, you know we would consider that a miracle for him to raise the dead. I mean, that is kind of a an example of his healing power, is his ability to raise the dead. And this whole passage is a refute to that disbelief in a bodily resurrection. It is Paul refu- refuting um, a disbelief that that is possible. Because as Christians... We know that the resurrection of Jesus did happen, and not only did it happen, but it is the very foundation of our faith, and it is the greatest miracle that God has ever done. So this was really important for Paul to address. But there is a message in here that I think is often overlooked that we need to be very aware of, and that is this little part in in verse 15 where it speaks about being a false witness of God. To be a false witness of God or to testify against God by claiming he 
he has done something by claiming he's done a miracle in fact that he hasn't is a bad thing Paul is saying that if if these people if if himself or if we as Christians claimed that God had done a miracle that this would be a false witness against God and that is a bad thing so what we need to learn from this and this is this is my conviction based on this passage is that we must be mindful and careful what we claim God has done if it is in the Bible we can have 100% confidence in it the resurrection for example that is a is a not only in the Bible but it is proven historically um, but we find it in the scriptures that Jesus raised from the dead and that is 100% true and we can have 100% confidence that that is a miracle of God if it is outside of scripture something that happens today to one of us we must be careful I also believe that we should be thankful to God for all that is good everything that is good is because of God God is the reason for all things that are good and he is the creator of good but that does not mean he performed a miracle for the good to happen that does not mean that he performed a miracle for the good to happen so we need to be very careful about what we say God has done in a miraculous sense because we don't want to be false witnesses of God all right uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add in on that question or do you think we're we're good to go ahead and move on to the second one Uh, I'm good if you're good all right well uh, moving on then uh, the second question here we have if the if demons believe in Jesus and they know the ending to the spiritual war laid out in Revelation can a demon that has fallen from heaven when Satan rebelled repent so can a demon repent and then therefore uh, receive salvation through my my studies of the New Testament I, I've never seen the Bible speak of a fallen angel or a, a demon repenting or even being instructed to repent. And remember, just an episode or two back, we were reading in Luke when, when Jesus was speaking to uh, the demon-possessed man. And in, in, in many other places in the New Testament, we see Jesus speaking to demons. But Jesus never tells them to repent. And we never see evidence where the Scripture says a demon actually repented. And in my mind, if it, if it were possible for a demon to repent... Jesus would have preached repentance to them because when you look through the Gospels and you look through, okay, what did Jesus actually preach and teach to people? Repentance was was one of the primary subjects that he preached on because every single person needs to do it. And if it were possible for demons, every single demon would need to do it. And so the way my mind works, if demons could repent and, and, and receive salvation as a part of that, we would have seen Jesus preach to them to repent, but we never see that that, that I am aware of in the New Testament. And 
I've I've looked through it a couple of times, um, so I don't say that as I don't want to say that I know the whole New Testament like the back of my hand, but I definitely have read it multiple times and I've never come across that. Um, and a, a scripture that I think we should look at is First Peter chapter one, verses ten through twelve. So let me let me pull this up here. First Peter one ten through twelve also kind of addresses this question. Here's what Peter writes. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating, as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, and here's the key phrase at the end of verse 12, things into which angels long to look. So Peter is talking about the gospel being preached here at the end of verse 12, and he says the angels long to look into that. That I think that kind of relates to our question a little bit here, because if demons are fallen angels, which we believe they are, which what the Bible teaches, they long to look into salvation. They haven't heard repentance preached. And one more scripture I want to look at is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 to 17. Here's what the author of Hebrews writes. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood... He himself, this he's talking about Jesus here, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So Hebrews teaches us here that a part of Je one piece of the puzzle of Jesus being able to be the propitiation for the sins of, of the people, so one reason Jesus is able to be a legitimate sacrifice for our sins is that he was become like us in all things and that he was fully human. Jesus was, not Jesus was not an angel, no matter what some of those false religions want to teach. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus was not an angel. He was fully human and fully God, not angel. And, and that directly relates here, Hebrews teaches us, to our salvation, that he was like us in all things. So given those, those three things that, that I've discussed here, Demons were never preached at to repent. We never see a demon repent. The, the angels long to look into things about salvation. And the fact that Jesus didn't even die for the angels, he died for humans. I, I, I would say pretty strongly and firmly that a demon cannot repent and a demon cannot come to salvation. you have anything to add to that, Tanner? Yeah, so... Just to add to it, because I mean those those points are are extremely valid and and answer the question well. We said last week that 
there is very little in the Bible about demons, but what we know is that they fell with Satan out of pride and are evil like Satan is. In fact, the scriptures speak to the evil nature of Satan, that it is his essence, that it is his existence, his nature is evil. And he wasn't created that way, but he chose that in pride. And Jesus even says in John chapter 8, verse 44, he said, You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, we see from the very mouth of Jesus, his character, Satan's character, is evil, and the demons are the same as him. Throughout all scripture, they show no willingness uh, they show no willingness to change. Think about, or as you read the New Testament, and you read how the demons react when they see Jesus, you never see them begging to be saved. You never see them um, crawling before Jesus in repentance. What we do see is that they do evil, and when Jesus comes around, they fear him. Because they know he is a just God, and they know that they are evil. Um, and even in the passage where we, we saw Legion come before Jesus um, last week or a couple weeks ago, we see that exact thing. They're doing evil, and when Jesus comes before them, they don't, they don't repent, but they just beg that they aren't sent to hell too early, because... Um, or hit to Hades too early because um, they know that's where they're going. They know because of their evil nature that is that is the end result. Um, and the last thing I'll add to this is it, it relates to the Hebrews passage. Only we were created in the image of God. Only we were created in the image of God. So for Jesus to become fully man, and for us to be the only beings created in God's image, Christ, his sacrifice is, is for mankind, because God, we are God's, we are a special creation to him, and the Bible teaches that from the very beginning. You got anything thing else for that question? Uh, I think that's all for, for that one, so we can go ahead and, and move on to our last question here. But one thing I do want to say just regarding all of the questions is I hope you've been able to notice and pick up so far as you guys have been listening that Tanner and I are doing our very best not to give you our opinions on these questions because our, our opinions don't carry any weight, that they don't matter for anything. What we're trying to do is, is hear your question and then consult the scripture because... God's word is is perfect. 
my word is not, Tanner's word is not. And, and so as we answer these questions, we really hope that um, if, if we're saying something that you're maybe not too sure you agree with, uh, I hope you can see that that everything that we're, we're saying here, we're trying our very best to be straight from the Scripture, straight from God's Word, so that it's not relying on, on us, but we're, we're communicating what God has said regarding these things. So with, with that said, uh, let's move on to our, our final question here. I'll go ahead and read it for us. And uh, Tanner, I'll let you kick off our, our discussion for this after I read it. Okay. God may not give us faith, but is it wrong to pray for God to help us with our faith? Isn't that actually a scripture? Help my, un- help my unbelief. Isn't that scriptural? So let me read that just one more time here. God may not give us faith, but is it wrong to pray for God to help us with our faith? Isn't that actually a scripture? Help my unbelief. Isn't that scriptural? So, this idea of asking for help with our unbelief comes from one of my favorite passages. In fact, I believe, yeah, I'm thinking right. One of the very first devotions that I ever did as a, as a young guy, younger guy, I'm still a young guy. Um, as a younger guy, we were on a mission trip in Haiti and to my surprise i was asked to preach a sermon or not preach a sermon but to share a devotion with the the translators um and i had really never done anything like that before but it was a a recent a recent discovery of mine i guess of this passage in mark chapter 9 and ever since I first read this it has been something that I have gone to and read and shared with other people as something of encouragement because it is it is profound and it is helpful in our walk as Christians so let me let me read this passage where where this idea of um, this idea of helping our unbelief comes from It's Mark chapter 9, and I'll be picking up in verse 14. Verse 14. When they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately, when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute and whenever it seizes him it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not do it and he answered them and said O unbelieving generation how long shall I be with you how long shall I put up with you bring him to me they brought the boy to him And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion, and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, How long has this been? How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. It has often thrown 
him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can. All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him, and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out, and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them were saying, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he got up. Wow, is what I have to say about that passage. For so many reasons, that passage is so powerful. I mean, we see a miracle. Um, we Really, it seems as though we see two miracles, both the casting out of the demon and uh, what, what seems to be uh, another resurrection in Jesus' life. Um, we see his compassion for the boy. Um, we see... We see so much going on, but the key thing here and where this help my unbelief comes from is the father. This father, I mean, in near agony, in near agony, the father cries out, I believe, I believe, help my unbelief. I, I don't know... I would find it hard to believe as a Christian if those I would find it hard to believe that if you're a Christian you have never at one point in your life reached to God in prayer and and just told him I believe from from an aching heart a heart of agony and I I really see that in in this in the father's state statement here he's he is crying out I believe but help my unbelief and it's through the deep trust in belief it's through the deep trust in in the belief that we have that we call to God to help us where we waver when 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 things get a little rocky or we have questions instead of succumbing to the questions and the worries and the doubts when we lean into what we do believe and what we know about God and we trust Him and we say God help us with our unbelief that shows that we do believe and that we trust Him more than any other time in our lives when we're struggling with with questions or with with a situation or with doubts and instead of falling into those and walking away from God when we trust him and fall into what we do trust and and ask him for help we are proving our commitment to what we believe about him and it is a beautiful thing and it is something that 
here we see the scripture encourages asking for help with our doubts asking for help when we don't believe like we should Jake do you have much to add to that yeah there are a couple things that I want to add uh, first of all I, I totally agree with everything that you've said um, there are just a couple other things that I want to point out if I'm not mistaken I believe this question came in um, in, in an episode where I said God does not give us faith God does not give us faith but instead faith is a, a decision or a choice we make based off of evidence that we have and I, I just want to clarify I, I did not intend to communicate by saying that that God doesn't help us with our faith because he, he absolutely does help give us confidence and courage and boldness in what we do believe. When, when I said that God does not give us faith, what, what I'm talking about is there is a, a group, a, a religious group, that will teach that when a person comes to faith in, in God and in Jesus Christ, that they do not come to faith out of their own, it's not their own decision. In fact, they'll say that they don't have free will to, to make that decision for themselves to decide to believe but instead faith is something that God either chooses to implant into you or not so, so essentially they teach that God decides who goes to heaven and who doesn't because he decides okay I'm going to give Tanner faith but I'm not going to give Jacob faith now that, that idea is, is totally out of line with what we learn from the Bible and so when I, when I made that statement, God does not give us faith, that, that's what I was talking about. God does not just decide who gets to have faith and who doesn't. However, when we have faith, there, there are going to be times in, in each and every one of our lives where we have doubts or worries or a, a season of life is just so tough that it, it challenges that faith that we have and it is... It is totally okay, and you're not wrong in any way to pray to God and ask Him to help to help you trust Him more. That that's not a, a bad thing or a wrong thing. Um, so when I say that, we're not wrong to pray for God to help us in our faith. That is to help us deal with our doubts, because we're not praying for Him to give us faith that we don't have, but just to help strengthen what is there and what we do have. Um, I, I want to point you to one scripture about this and that's going to be Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 Paul writes so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ that's why we preach the gospel that's why we, we share with people who aren't Christians what Jesus taught and what Jesus said and what God's Word says. That's where faith comes from. Faith isn't just implanted into us by God whether we want it or not. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. And, and, and I'll go ahead and mention one more. One, one that I'm sure probably everyone that is listening to this has, has probably has memorized. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
what did that say in the middle there? That whoever God decides to give faith? No. That whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. When we believe in something, that is a choice that we make. When, when, you don't, when something catches you off guard and a friend tells you some crazy story, you decide whether you're going to believe him or not. When you're confronted with the gospel, with information about God and about his son Jesus, you can either believe in it or you can decide not to. And so I share those two scriptures just to show and just to say that coming to faith is not something that we have no control over like certain religious groups like to make it out to be. Coming to faith is a decision that we make based off of the evidence that we have, but that does not mean that we shouldn't pray to God in times when our faith is challenged, when we are doubting in our faith, or, or when we're having worries. Um, God, God wants us to have a strong faith in Him, and, and he, He's gone to every measure possible to help that happen other than removing our free will and just doing it for us. So God absolutely wants us to pray to Him in times of unbelief and in times of doubt and in, in times of weakness that we all have. So I think that's all that I wanted to add in for that one. Do you have anything else, Tanner? Yeah, I I completely agree with everything you brought to light, and I just, I just like to add uh, on top of that, he, Jacob just shared two scriptures, or Jacob just shared the, the Hebrew scripture, and I read the Mark passage, in the Mark passage, we see the Father asking Jesus for help. And then in the Hebrews passage, we we see that faith comes from hearing. Hearing the, the Romans Word passage, of God. Not the Hebrews passage. Romans, sorry. Romans passage. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the Word of God. Those That teaches us that there are two avenues in our life that we can have the utmost confidence in when our doubts come, when the struggles of life come. Two avenues can bring us peace, can bring us confidence when, when those things come in life. And those two avenues are going to God and asking for help through prayer and going to his word and just reading his word and allowing it to fill your heart and work in your life, those two things we can have confidence in more than anything. And, and I think those two passages really, really teach that for us. Because faith... As Jacob, as Jacob read, faith comes through hearing, hearing the word of God. That's, that's why we preach, like he said. That's why we share the gospel. But also, once we've already become Christians, the word becomes uh, a foundation and a, and, a, and a platform of confidence for us in our life. And prayer becomes a, a encourager and a, and, a, and a place of peace and confidence in our life. So that that's all I have to add for that. Um, I believe that's Amen, all of our questions, right? 
yep that that was the that was the final one well then i will close this out um we just want to thank you all again for listening we are thankful for the questions and we just hope that we answered them thoroughly we hope that if you have more questions you'll you will ask and we will again do our best to answer them from a biblical place using using scripture and and using it uh, in context uh, we we ask that you like comment follow subscribe depending on what platform you're on and with that we close by saying may grace mercy and peace be with you go bear fruit and so prove to be one of his disciples <laughs> <laughs>